Well, good morning again. Uh, please turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 11 through 20, will be our sermon text for this morning. And uh, before, we, before we read that together, uh, let's pray together one more time. Please pray with me. Our Father, we, we come to you to hear your voice. Uh, we come to you to find rest. We come to you to find hope this morning in the midst of our trials and difficulty. We come to you to be reminded of what is firm and solid in the midst of a world that is constantly changing, constantly uh, uncertain and unsure. And so, Father, we pray that you would meet with us this morning, that you would pour out your spirit, that you would help us to hear your word, uh, that you would uh, point us to Christ, our solid rock. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. How do you comfort yourself in the midst of all this? What do you say to yourself to give yourself hope? Maybe you say, well, it, it could be worse, which is true, I guess. Uh, this too shall pass. Just a, just a little bit longer, it'll all be over soon. But of course, how do you know? How, how do you know this is not the new normal? How do you know that life has not been changed forever? How, what if this is what God has for us, not just for a few months, but for a few years? The truth is we do not know what will happen today or tomorrow, much less next week or next month or next year. Now, uh, such methods of encouragement are not necessarily false, right? We can extrapolate from past trials that these two will come to an end. Such methods of encouragement are not false, but they're also not sure. It's not false hope, but it's not a certain hope either which means it's not really what the Bible calls hope at all. In an uncertain world, we need more than uncertain hope. 
So this morning we're going to talk about our sure and certain hope, the anchor for our souls. And we'll see four characteristics of this unshakable hope. Unshakable hope is grounded in God's promise, is set on God's rest, is steadfast in present suffering, and is fulfilled in Jesus. Now, before we get into that, uh, I should say, well, what do, what do I mean by unshakable hope? Uh, well, this, this is the goal, right? This is, this is the, the, where we're headed. This is what we long for. Life is shakable. Life is tossed to and fro by the waves, right? Uh, it's a ship battered by the storm or simply set adrift without any moorings or direction. We, we don't know what is next and we cannot control what is next. And so the sea is a, is a great picture of what is chaotic and uncontrollable. We need to find solid ground, something sure, firm, strong, and unshakable. We want what the psalmist found in Psalm 46 when he said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We want an unshakable hope. Well, what is that and where is it found? Unshakable hope is grounded in God's promise, set on God's rest, steadfast in present suffering and fulfilled in Jesus. Okay, so first point, unshakable hope is grounded in God's promise. This is the ground of our hope, right? God's promise and oath. This is, this is the answer to the question, what do we hope in? You know, it is so easy to not hope at all. It's so easy to get discouraged. There's so much wrong with the world. There's so much uncertain. There's so much that is scary. God desires us to be encouraged and to hope. In verse 11, the, the writer desires this. Uh, Hebrews 6, 11, the writer says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. In verses 17 and 18, God desires this. Verse 17, uh, we're told, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. See, God desired to give us what was necessary that we might hold fast to our hope. God wants his people to have hope. Do you have hope this morning? Or are you hopeless? Are you discouraged? Are you downhearted and dejected and despairing? Are you undone? God desires us to have hope. And yet it's possible to hope in the wrong things. You know, we say uh, to ourselves things like, if only I could get a better paying job, then. If only I could find the right spouse, then. If only my spouse would grow up, then. If only the government would do its job, then. If only I could get a break in life, then. Right? If only my neighbor, my friend, my parent, and so on would get his or her act together, then. Then everything would work out. You see, we hope in 
the wrong things. We, we're looking for something in this life to make this life go better. But these things are all uncertain and unsure. These are the shakable things. And even if you hit the, the figurative lottery, right, and life works out as you planned every step of the way, there is still no security, no certainty, no solid ground in this life. Everything is subject to change at any moment. And we should know this by now. Right? Who would have thought when we celebrated the new year that this is what 2020 would bring? God, on the other hand, gives us a sure and certain hope. And he does that by giving us two things, his promise and his oath. Again, look at, look at 13 through 18, the main chunk of the text, 13 through 18. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope before us. Now, the writer of Hebrews brings up Abraham. Abraham is both the father of the faithful, but also the, the biblical model of one who walks by faith. And uh, Hebrews here quotes Genesis 22, after the offering up of Isaac, uh, God comes to Abraham, he comes to him and stops him from sacrificing Isaac. And then we read this in Genesis 22, 15 to 18, uh, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And yet I think even there in Genesis 22, when God says, by myself, I have sworn, he's actually referring to something earlier in the book of Genesis in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, God promised Abraham seed and land, that is children and property. And Abraham responds to that in Genesis 15. How am I to know? Basically, he says, okay, okay God, you, you, you said I will receive these promises, but how can I know? And there are really two amazing things about God's response. The first is that God assures Abraham. You know, God could have said, you know, look, hey, Abe, uh, it's me, you know, God, right? Take me at my word. In Hebrews 6, 16, we read that for people swear by something greater than themselves and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. Uh, people require an oath. They require it because their words are not always trustworthy. But that's not true with God. God's oath is, 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 is not about his veracity, but about our infirmity. God swears an oath, not because God's word is unsure, but because his people are unbelieving. God, God, God's oath is, is not about the weakness of God's promise, but about the weakness of our faith. You see, God condescends to Abraham. He wants to give Abraham and us assurance. And the second amazing thing about uh, God 
this re God's response to Abraham's question is not only that God assures Abraham, but how. God makes a covenant. In the ancient Near East, the phrase was to cut a covenant, like we talk about cutting a deal, except that there was actual cutting involved. And Abraham takes the sacrificial animals, he cuts them in half, he places them in two rows, and uh, normally the inferior party, or the, the debtor, as it were, walks through to take the oath. And what they're saying is, look, if, if I disobey, if I default on my loan, if I, if I go back on my promises, right, if I don't keep the terms of this covenant, may I become like these animals. It's kind of cross my heart, hope to die type stuff, right? It's I swear on my own life. But here, God walks through. Abraham actually falls into a deep sleep and he has this vision of a burning torch and a smoking fire pot, which represent God's presence, that pass through the animals. And what is amazing here is that God swears on his own life that he will bring about what he has promised. He is saying, if I do not fulfill my promises, Abraham, may I be cut in pieces like these animals. God swears on his own life to bring about his promises. Verse 16 says, people swear by something greater than themselves, but verse 13 tells us, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. You see, unshakable hope is hope that is grounded in the promise and the oath of God. And so verse 17 and 18 again, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. To God cannot lie. His promises should have been enough for Abraham. But because God cares not only about what should have been enough, but he cares about Abraham himself, he condescends and adds to the promise this oath. He swears on his own life. And now if God's promise is unbreakable, how much more this oath? Right? It is as sure as the existence of the only being who has existence in himself. So unshakable hope is grounded in something unshakable, God's promise and oath. Though the world be falling down on our heads, though the ground beneath our feet be giving way, we have something unshakable and unbreakable, something dependable, a place to stand, the promise and oath of God. And so God gives certain promises to Abraham. He guarantees those promises with an oath that we might have strong encouragement to hold fast but you might ask the question, okay, what is our hope? Hope is not this nebulous, generic thing. It's not just a feeling that I have in my heart. What is our hope? Our hope is in God's promise and oath, but what are we hoping for? What are we hoping for? And so unshakable hope is grounded in God's promise and it is set on God's promised rest. This is the, the content of our hope or Entering God's rest. This is the answer to the question, what do we hope for? I think about your hopes and dreams for a moment. Uh, what do you hope for? Uh, what, what do you long for? What do you hope will come about in your life? What are your dreams? Or again, what do you tell yourself to get yourself through? 
uh, to get yourself through the day, to get yourself through the pandemic, to get yourself through whatever it is that you have to endure. And for many Christians, we hope in God, but we hope for the wrong things. We hope for something in this present life. We hope for health and happiness or peace and quiet. We hope for a name or a family or respect. We hope for things that pass, things that are transient, uh, shifting shadows, shakable realities. We hope for things that are in this present age rather than hoping for the age to come. And this passage spells out our hope in verse 19. It, it calls it a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, in the Old Testament, God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle. Uh, God was not limited to the tabernacle, of course, but he said to his people that he would cause his name to dwell there. He was enthroned, the Old Testament says, in the most holy place above the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant, which is called the mercy seat. God dwelt there with his people. And once a year, the high priest would go into that room to offer sacrifice. The remainder of the year, of course, all Israel was held off. God dwelt in the midst of his people. God was close, but not too close. And our hope, the writer of Hebrews says, is that we would go behind the curtain, that we would enter into the Father's presence, or as Hebrews put it earlier, that we would enter God's rest. Why would we want that? Why would we long for that? Well, because at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. Because as Jesus says, there is joy in heaven. See, we long to see the face of our Father because that is true pleasure and that is true joy. So what is our hope? Our hope is to enter the presence of the Father, to see his face, to enter his rest, to enter his joy. And this is important because this is, one of, this is not one of the shakable things of life. You know, Hebrews 12, later on in Hebrews, we'll get here in chapter 12, we're told uh, that at Mount Sinai, God's voice shook the earth. But now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this phrase, yet once more, the writer says, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. See, our present life is shakable. That is, it is uncertain. It is losable. It is breakable. It is changeable. Our jobs are shakable. Our education is shakable. Our families are shakable. Our money is shakable. Our 401ks, shakeable. Our relationships, shakeable. Our marriages, shakeable. Our houses, our children, our health, our very lives are shakeable. Why would you hope for something shakeable, for something uncertain, for something ephemeral, for something losable, for something breakable, for something that will not last? I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't desire these things in any sense, but they must not be our hope. I want to go behind the veil. I want to see him face to face. I want something certain, something sure, something unshakable. Unshakable hope is grounded in something unshakable and unbreakable, God's promise and oath, but it is also set on something unshakable, God's rest. 
our heavenly promised land, the new creation, the things to come. So unshakable hope is grounded in God's promise. It is set on God's rest. And third, unshakable hope is therefore steadfast in present suffering. And this is the, the act of hope, waiting with patience. Or, or what does this unshakable hope look like? How does it act in the midst of the shakable things of life? When this world is giving away, when, when things are coming undone, when your plans are falling apart, how do you respond? If I'm honest with you, I, I freak out. I, I don't have the calm and sure repose that I would like you to think that I would have. I, I fret and I worry. I get anxious and angry. I think, what's going to happen and how is this all going to turn out? And what can I do to fix it? You see, I hope in this life and for this life. I hope for things in this age to turn out. I hope in the powers of this age to make it happen. And when those powers fail and the breakable things break and the losable things are lost and the uncertain things vanish, I freak. I hate to say it, but I am not a good example of unshakable hope. But Hebrews tells us that Abraham is. Verses 11 and 12, the writer exhorts us to, to, to the full assurance of hope. And he, he exhorts us to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then he gives us an example, the example of Abraham in verses 13 to 15. It says, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. He points us to Abraham. Now, you uh, may remember, we just talked about this story, uh, that God's promise, he promises Abraham seed and land, an heir and an inheritance. Uh, but Abraham was childless and landless. And so he says, how do I know? How do I know? And God gives Abraham an oath, a, a covenant in Genesis 15. He swears on his own life. God eventually gives Abraham the child, Isaac, but then he tells Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And Abraham, because of his faith in God's promise, God's power, he moves to go through with it. And when he lays Isaac on the altar, God stops him and then reminds Abraham of his oath. And in that moment, Abraham receives the promise, not because he hadn't already received Isaac, but he receives him again, as it were. He receives him back from the dead, Hebrews will later tell us. Now, Abraham's faith and hope were not perfect, but the New Testament graciously and repeatedly reflects not on his failures, but on his faith. And this should be a great encouragement to us in our doubts. And I want you to notice four things about Abraham's unshakable faith. Two are what we've already seen. Uh, the first is it's founded on God's promise and oath. He believed God's word. He held on to God's Oath. He was focused on the promise. Paul says in Romans 4.21, he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And second, Abraham's hope is set on God's rest. Now, this is not as obvious here, but we will come to Hebrews 11, where we'll be told about Abraham that he was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. He was looking for a home that is unshakable. Hebrews says he desired a better country, a heavenly one. And even that he believes that God would raise Isaac from the dead. You see, Abraham's hope is in God raising us from the dead and giving us an eternal home. His hope is not set in this life, but it's set on God. and set on God's eternal things. 
Uh, third, Abraham's hope is long held. The word patience in verses 12 and 15 is the Greek word makrothumia. And I don't quote a lot of Greek words, but I like this word uh, in a kind of twisted way. Makrothumia. It means long-suffering. That's patience. Long-suffering. And I, I, I want to break that down, right? There are two aspects to that in our hope, long and suffering. So the first thing is, is to hope is to wait. Romans 8, 24 and 25, Paul says, For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. See, here's, here's what this means. If you hope in God's promise, it is because it has not yet been fulfilled. Not fully, at least. And so you wait. Now, in our culture, waiting itself is seen as a grievous trial. But Abraham waited for decades for the promised son, Isaac. And of course, Abraham not only waited, but he suffered, right? Patience is long-suffering. It is enduring hardship and trial, enduring lack and want. And so Abraham suffered through want of fulfillment of God's promises. He suffered through the famine. He suffered through the fear of his enemies. He suffered through laying his son on the altar, literally. And through that suffering, having waited patiently, he obtained the promise. And here's the, the application for us. Unshakable faith means a willingness to wait long and suffer well. A willingness to walk through trials, not knowing how they're going to turn out, but trusting in the promise of your Father to make all things right in the end. See, this world is shakable and uncertain. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. You cannot control what tomorrow will bring. And this was already true. This has always been true uh, before, but it has become painfully obvious now. Unshakable hope is when you can stand in the shakable things of this age, but look at the unshakable promises of God and know that He will fulfill His promises because His Word is sure. His promises are true. And can you look at what is going on in your life and say, my God is in this. He is in control. He is working all things for my good and his glory. His purposes are unchangeable. His promises unbreakable. His power is unshakable. And though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, I will not fear. Not because I'm so great or because everything is going to turn out in this life, but because my Father has me in his hands. See, unshakable hope is grounded in something unshakable and unbreakable, God's promise. It is set on something unshakable, God's rest, His new creation, the things to come. But unshakable hope is then itself unshakable because it's not controlled by the shifting sands and the stormy winds and the crashing waves of this present age. It is set on eternal things, unshakable things. And so unshakable hope is grounded in God's promise. It is set on God's rest. It is steadfast in present suffering. And it is fulfilled in Jesus. You know, you still might wonder, okay, fine, but how do we know? Okay, sure, God made a promise. Okay, fine, God swore an oath. But that's all talk. How do we know that God has a rest for the people of God? How do we know that we will enter into God's presence? How do we know that there is something more sure than the ground underneath our feet? And this takes us back to God's promise and oath to Abraham. You see, God swore on his life to fulfill his promises. 
But there was something in the way, something that always got in the way, human unbelief and disobedience, right? Every time God begins to bless his people, we seem to mess things up. And sinful people cannot dwell with a holy God. Guilty people cannot stand before a righteous judge. And so what's God to do? He's made a promise. He's made an oath. He swore on his life. So there is nothing to do but keep his oath. God swore an oath on his life that he would fulfill his promise. And so he steps into human skin and gives up his life to keep his promise. He bears human sin at the cross to remove our guilt and make us holy. That is God's guarantee. Jesus come to fulfill the promises of the Father. But there's more, right? Because Jesus didn't stay dead, but he received God's promise in his resurrection. See, there's this great verse in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, which says, And we have the prophetic word made more fully confirmed. Or the NASB translates it, We have the prophetic word made more sure. Now, what can be more sure than God's word? I mean, what can possibly confirm the promises of God when they are the promises of God, right? Who can vouch for him? Who has the, the greater trustworthiness, greater veracity, greater authority? The answer, of course, is no one. And so how can God's word be made more sure? Of course, the answer is that God's word, God's promises are made more sure because they have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Look at verses 19 and 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. How can I know that it is possible to enter the presence of the Father? How can I know that I will be accepted into the presence of the Father? How can I know that I can go beyond the veil and penetrate the heavens and enter the Holy of Holies? The answer is because Jesus is there. Jesus, our great high priest, Jesus who died on our behalf for our sins, Hebrews says he has gone into the heavens on our behalf as a forerunner. That is, having gone before us, having run the race, he has received the prize, he has entered into the joy of his Father, he has entered God's rest. Jesus died for sin and then rose on the third day. He, he appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection. This is not something that was kept hidden or, or was kept secret, right? The New Testament is essentially the eyewitness testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. And over a half dozen people wrote down what they saw and heard. And so we have God's promises fulfilled in Jesus and verified by eyewitnesses. This is God's prophetic word made more sure. You want to know whether there is more to come? Look to Jesus. He rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven to be seated at the Father's right hand. See, unshakable hope is something that is unshakable, is grounded in something that is unshakable and unbreakable. God's promise, it is set on something that is unshakable. God's rest, the new creation, the things to come. And unshakable hope is then itself unshakable because it's not controlled by the shifting sands and the stormy winds and the crashing waves of the present age. Unshakable hope finally is fulfilled in Jesus who has already entered into God's promised rest. 
What this means for us is this, in the midst of the uncertainties, in the midst of trials and challenges, in the midst of pain and suffering and difficulties, flee for refuge. Right? Flee for refuge. Why, why use that language? Verse 18 says, because of God's promise and oath, we who have fled for refuge can have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. And so flee for refuge. We need a refuge from the storms of this world, from the crashing waves. Flee for refuge. Flee to the Father through His Son. Hold fast to the hope set before us. And that hope, fulfilled in Jesus, will become like an anchor for your soul. Anchors are necessary because water is not solid. At, At worst, a boat will be tossed to and fro by the storm and maybe sink underneath and be overwhelmed. At best, it'll be adrift in the gentle waves. But either way, the water is not solid. It's not firm, it's not secure, it's not safe. And an anchor being solid brings security and safety. It secures the boat in time and space despite the instability of the sea. And though the sailors may not see the anchor rooted on the sandy floor below, it nevertheless keeps them safe and secure. Though we live in the midst of the chaotic waters and uncertainties and instabilities of this present life, hope draws us upward to something that, though less visible, is more solid and more secure and more certain than anything we might look to in this life. Unlike an anchor, our hope in Jesus, of course, is is, is more like a a grappler or a grappling hook, right, which inevitably, inevitably draws us up to itself, right? It has gone before us. We will follow it. Because where he is, there we will be also. Those who flee to Christ for refuge, those who believe in him, those who have been united to him by by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are drawn to him. By faith, we have been married to Christ as it were. Though, Though he has gone to prepare a place for us, he will come and take us home. Our anchor is secure. He will draw us out of the present age with all of its uncertainty and instability and to himself into the age to come when he returns and all things are made new. Heaven and earth on that day will become one. The shakable things will pass away and the unshakable things will be all that we know. See, unshakable hope is grounded in God's promise, set on God's rest, steadfast in present suffering and fulfilled in Jesus And so set your eyes on Jesus, and this unshakable hope can be yours. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you that that though he, he did come into the world to bear our sin in our place, that he died on the cross and was buried, that you did not abandon him to the grave, but that you raised him up on the third day that you have uh, uh, raised him up into heaven where he is seated at your right hand, where he has gone before us into the most holy place. We pray, Father, that you would help us to set our eyes there, to set our hope there, to rest in Christ there, to know that where he is there, we will be also, that our hope is sure, that our anchor is secure in Christ in the heavenly places. Help us to know that and to rest in that in the midst of all the uncertainties of this life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.